welcome back to the Leeway Podcast. For those who don't know, my name is Donovan Lee. I'm a student at Henderson State University who is an aspiring sports journalist. So, in season two, I have a special edition series for my Capstone 2 research, which is my senior project. It's actually a creative project, and this podcast that you're listening to is the creative aspect. So, I hope you all enjoy. So, a little bit about the background of this project. Um, My focus was originally going to be on how to break through as a sports journalist in the field of news and broadcasting. But as things changed and we went through some things in the last year, I decided that it was better and more fit, more fitting to focus on how sports journalists are currently maneuvering through the pandemic and navigating through every twist and turn and how they're able to still cover sports at a, at a high quality, even during the time when more specifically there weren't any sports to even cover. So I selected five sports journalists, um, Wes Moore, Jessica Benson, Gary Burton, Gabe McDonald, and Troy Lynch, who all have a special connection to the state of Arkansas in some way, shape, or form. And one of them, Jessica Benson, happens to be um, a Memphis sports journalist. She's an MMJ for the Grizzlies, but she'll tell you a little bit about that in the next episode. Our first episode focuses on Wes Moore. Wes is a Fox 16 sports journalist, and he also does a radio show for 1037 The Buzz. But I'll let him all, I'll let him tell you all about that. I hope you all enjoy. For those who are evaluating, um, I hope you take into consideration the hard work that was put in. And without further ado, let's get to it. Tell us who you are, how you got to where you are today, and what does a, a 24-hour day in sports journalism look like? All right. Um, man, I've been doing this since 1994. I got my start when I was still in junior college in 1989. Ooh. And uh, it was just a small town, uh, Tyler, Texas. And I grew up in Jacksonville, Texas. And I played sports and everything. But quickly, you know, I realized playing pickup ball in the summer that I wasn't going to play college ball. Um, but I, I had an offer to play in, at my junior college, but um, I just knew I wasn't good enough. And uh, my first day at school, the counselor asked me what did I wanted to do. And I told him either an architect, a dentist, or maybe I thought about TV news. And he said, the uh, news director, the TV station just left my office. He said, if I had anybody interested, tell him to call and he'd have a job for him. So I called, they put me to work as an editor. I got paid and found out what it was like to work behind the scenes in TV news and fell in love with it. And then uh, when I went to, I went to Texas State University back then, it was called Southwest Texas State and um, got my degree in journalism, graduated in 94. I got my first job in Ada, Oklahoma. And uh, I know where that is, it's GAC school. Yeah, that's right. East Central, (laughs) East Central University. Well, what's funny, uh, the competition for sports jobs is so intense Someone along the way told me, man, your mail, news, don't be afraid of it because you can advance and move up quicker in news and find jobs easier. And that's what I did. I was a health and uh, po- politics, health and poli- uh, politician reporter, politics uh, in Ada, Oklahoma. I was there 15 months. I got a job in Shreveport um, in 96 and worked in the Marshall, Texas Bureau. And I uh, was still a news reporter. Um, they gave me a chance to be the weekend anchor in 97. 
and then uh, they promoted me and moved me to morning news. I was the morning news anchor until from 98 to about 2000. And then I went to Victoria, Texas. I was the main news anchor from 2000 to 2003. And during that time, actually, I met my wife in Shreveport. She was my morning show producer. She was hired to be my producer. And uh, we started dating, got married in 2002. We were in Victoria, Texas. She was a reporter anchor, and I was the, the main news anchor. And in 2003, we were hired in Little Rock. And uh, we moved to Little Rock and worked at Channel 11 from 2003 to about 2011. She left, went to KTV, and I left and went to Fox 16. And uh, I've been here ever since. Uh, typical day for me, um, also host a radio show on 103.7 The Buzz. So I get up about 6.45. I get my two girls ready for school uh, because Allison's doing the morning show with Channel 7. So she's yeah. not there. So I get the girls up, pack their lunches, uh, take, take them to school about 8. Then I go to the gym. I work out at the gym and then come home, take a shower, go to the Buzz. I'm there from 10 to 1. And then I come up here uh, and do the, the news or the sports for Fox 16. And um, they're real good about uh, – because I was just doing radio only. After I left Channel 11, I got out of TV, and I was doing radio only. And then Fox called, wanted me to come back and do TV. And I told them, man, I love my hours. I love being home at night. And they're like, look, you get your job done. We're not here to count your hours. You know, if you want to take a long dinner break, go. And so they're real good about it. If I need to do something in the afternoons and get here at three o'clock, they're fine with that. And then uh, we have a 5.30 newscast. I'm done at six. I go home, have an extended dinner, usually get up here, back up here about eight, 8.30. Then we have a nine o'clock news and I'm done at 10. So uh, that's my day. It's a, it's a full day, but you know, a lot of people like, can't believe you uh, have two jobs and you're working, you know, 11 hours every day, but uh, I'm talking sports, you know, it's, it's not that hard. You do what you'd love to do and it's not that big of a deal. So I, I, I still find myself very uh, lucky uh, to do what I do. And I enjoy, you know, doing what I do. And that's one of the things I always tell people, you know, find out what you love and do it because you're going to be working a long time in your life. You know, you're going to spend a lot of time at work, 40 hours a week or more, and you better love it because if you don't, and especially in TV, because in the beginning, you're not going to make a lot of money. You better find something you love to do because you're going to be doing it a lot. So do you remember March 12, 2020? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, in fact, we talked about it on the show today on the radio show. Um, you know, we got three games in and then we were back at the arena the next day. And you start hearing some gossip that, you know, that it was going something was going to be impacted, that maybe they weren't going to have any fans, but just play the games. And then they were like, well, maybe we're just going to put it off a day. And then, I mean, this is all in the span of like five minutes. You're hearing everything. And then someone from the AAA came and told us, because we're on the broadcast crew, mm -hmm. they said, we're shutting it down. And I'm like, well, what do you mean shutting it down? He's like, we're shutting it down for the weekend. And maybe next weekend, we don't, we don't know. And that's when, that's when COVID hit for real, you know. Um, you see what was going on around the country, but we're in Arkansas, right? Mm -hmm. They shut that down. I was like, man, this stuff's for real, you know. Yeah. We're, and it was it was a little scary, you know, because I, I remember we weren't shaking hands, we we were staying away from people, but you know, what, we weren't wearing masks or anything then. We didn't know, mm -hmm. but 
you know, I knew what was going on and I knew about this virus and I knew there were going to be a lot of people there. And I told my wife, I was like, man, I'll stay away from people. You know, I'm going to try to avoid the crowds and uh, I'm just going to stay either there on media row or back in the press room. And, um, but when they, when they canceled it, man, I, it just, that was hard. You're like, wow, this, this, this is for real. Yeah. Uh, March 12th for me, I want to say we had already, that was our first day of being like in remote classes in Henderson. And um, I think I was in my room. I was doing some dual watching. So I was watching on my television. I think I was watching the ACC tournament. And then I had um, high school state basketball pulled up on my laptop. So I was watching a few things at once. And I want to say probably like fresh out of the locker room from the ACC game. It was Florida State. And I think they, I want to say they were playing Duke, but I'm not sure. And uh, midway through the game, the officials just came out in the middle of the court. It was guys in suits that we had never seen before. So we were like, okay, these must be like conference officials. And at that point, like you said, we started hearing whisperings about it, but we never really knew how hard it was going to hit. So like after like five minutes of deliberation, they just came out and were like, we need everybody to evacuate the gym. This game is like, this is it. We're stopping the game right here. And they went, they came back and announced Florida State as the champions. We were like, what does this mean for the rest of sports for the next week or so? And yeah. it was only going to be a week because we were like, oh, this, this won't be terrible. And little did we know, a year later, here we are. Here we go. It was, uh, I mean, you're watching it around the country, SEC tournament, and all these other tournaments getting canceled. And then we heard about Little Rock being on the bus at Pine Bluff mm -hmm. and being told to turn around and come back home uh, from the Sun Belt tournament. And um, yeah, it was, it, it's eerie, you know, to think back on it and to know that that anniversary's coming. My birthday is actually March 11th. So that's oh, when, wow. you know, that all kind of started. And um, yeah, and then March 12th. And, with the high school basketball that's yeah it's one of those days you always remember that's for sure who was playing when you all got the got the call you remember no no i don't i don't okay so with the cdc and the government putting a halt to all sports and invoking the quarantine orders because everybody had to basically go into quarantine like that next day um what limitations or obstacles did that put on you and your work moving forward like how did, how did things change for you? It changed drastically because, you know, we're used to a lot of our sports coverage are events itself, you know, you know, whether it's a baseball game, you know, like tonight we'll have highlights, uh, Magnolia, we're going down there for their, their district championship and daring forward. And, um, you know, we've got Diamond Hogs playing baseball right now. We'll have highlights of that. And, you know, all of a sudden you don't have highlights. You don't have games anymore. You don't have games to preview. You know, you don't have Arkansas talking about their game with LSU tomorrow night uh, in your rundown. And so it became a challenge of what, what are we doing? There aren't no sports. So what are we covering? And, and quickly, you know, we, and I got to give credit to, you know, my two reporters that are with me, Nick Walters and Troy Lynch. And, and they, they came up with some great plans. And we, we did just a ton of features on, on basketball, high school basketball players, uh, you know, uh, football players, uh, football players from college that were back home, anything mm -hmm. and everything. I mean, we were just scrambling for ideas of anything we could do, you know, that could, that, that we could steal because they told us here, if, if you don't have sports to cover, we'll move those guys into news. And I told them, I was like, guys, you, you got to come up. We have to have ideas or they're going to make you a news reporter. And they didn't want to do that. And I didn't want them to have to do that. 
And so they did a great job. We did. We, the three of us were always uh, constantly reaching out to different people, looking for story ideas. And uh, I, I was really proud of what we were able to accomplish content wise during the pandemic, just shifting gears from covering sports as an event to sports as, you know, what's going on in the world and how it was impacting all these other kids. As a journalist, like personally, what was your biggest concern besides like coming up with content to keep pushing out to make sure that people were entertained and y'all were getting the news across? That was it. Just really wanting to put together still a, a quality sports cast that would, you know, that people would want to watch because it's easy if you're a sports fan because there aren't any sports not to even watch sports on on local news. And yeah. so we're, we had to put out some a, a product that kept people around and, and wanted people to watch. And man, I was proud of what we did and, and the ways that we were able to tell these different stories. And I thought we did a really good job during the pandemic uh, and during the, the time that was shut down, basically from March until about, gosh, August, I guess, maybe July, we were able to start kind of getting out and doing some things. But you know, that's, that's a long time without any sports being played. And, you know, we did some Oakland stuff. We started, you know, talking about the races, some of the things going on at Oakland. Um, but we, we were scrambling, man, anything we could do to put together some, you know, some good, unique features. That's what we did. And I know a lot of, a lot of those things uh, were interview driven. So not being able to get that in-person contact as far as like, say for instance, most journalists are used to going in the locker rooms and getting those post-game press conferences with coaches and players because that's how you develop that that personal interaction with them and get those yeah. scoops and those sound bites that separate your stories from everybody else's. So um, with the, the onset of Zoom, like we're doing now, with those uh, digital formats coming into play, how useful was that for you as, as far as like the digital era speeding up and coming into journalism the way it did? And, you know, it, 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 it probably saved us having Zoom, you know, um, we could have done some FaceTime, you know, videos and uh, but being able to do all these Zoom calls, it, it 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 was a tremendous help and it's changed sports. I mean, um, you'll you'll probably still see there'll be times where maybe, you know, like Magnolia, for example. We, we can't just get hop in the car and go interview Darian Ford or his his coach or, or you know, his his dad. It's two and a half hours there and then two and a half hours back. That's an all-day event. Well, with Zoom, you can record it and have, a, you know, your interview right there. And so it, it has become a, an acceptable way of doing an interview in TV and broadcasting. And I don't think it goes away. Now, you won't have as much. And, yes, as soon as we can go back, you know, and having press conferences after games with the, you know, the coaches and the players or go to the locker room. You want that. Like you said, you want that interaction. You want to, for them to get to know you, you get to know them. It, it's just easier to do an interview uh, and make a person feel comfortable enough to say some things in person. You know, there's a, there's a knack to having a, getting a person to feel comfortable with a camera in their face and, and, but still being able to get something good from them. But you know what? A Zoom interview kind of is difficult, too. But then again, maybe kids these days, they're, they're used to talking on the phone or FaceTiming or Snapchat, whatever, you know, so it's not a big deal for them to do an interview over the phone. But to me, it's just more personable when you're right there sitting face to face. And so I look forward to that day when everything's that way. But you know what? I can see a place in, in, where Zoom is still going to be around. And I know, too, you know, one of the one of the positives of the uh, 
the quarantine, all of a sudden these athletes didn't have anything to do. And so you call them up and go, hey, can I do an interview? And they're like, yeah, I, I got nothing else to do. And so, you know, the, the Bobby Portises, the Gaffords, the, you know, uh, these you normally guys you wouldn't get a chance to do an interview with, they're just sitting around. They're like, yeah, I'll Zoom you. And <laughs> even in some of the coaches too, like Mike Neighbors, you know, he was like, I'm just sitting around, call me, call me anytime. We'll talk, you know. So the access we got to some of these people, it actually opened up because they were like everybody else. They were just stuck at home. I remember uh, Vance Jackson. He was in L.A. Uh, and and they they were like on lockdown where he couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. And and uh, when he committed to come to Racebacks, I, I texted him. He's like, Yeah, I'll do it. But man, does it have to be on TV? Because I ain't got a haircut in like three weeks. I was like, Unfortunately, yeah, we need to see you. You can wear a cap or something. So yeah. He, he had a cap on. Uh, but he, you know. A lot of times those guys, you know, they wouldn't be willing to do an interview. But like I said, they had nothing else to do. And Zoom made it possible to sit there and do an interview with somebody on their phone. Yeah. And even for me as, a, as an up-and-coming journalist, it kind of leveled the playing field for us. Because at that point, we had more access to the people that we never thought we could get yep. to it at all. So, so for me, it, it was kind of a, a blessing in disguise because I would have never thought I would have been sitting here on Zoom talking with you. <laughs> but with quarantine and, and zoom and all those things these resources that we have now that we had them back then but they weren't as prominent because they were kind of shunned and frowned upon as journalists because it was like yeah oh, that's not traditional styles of journalism you have to do it this way but with the times we have now you have to use the resources we have so yeah it, it came off on the positive side for me 2020 wasn't terrible it could have been better but yeah it's terrible for me as a journalist also, during the summertime, while we were sitting at home, we saw uh, a lot of uh, social injustice protesting and, and things like that. So for you as a journalist and as a person, how important was it for you to, to use your platform and, and advocate against human rights or advocate for human rights? Yeah. You know, we, we talked a lot about it on the radio. and We felt like that was it, it's got to be a part of the conversation. And, and, and a lot of times it's an uncomfortable conversation, but sometimes uncomfortable is a good thing. And, and we didn't shy away with it or from it. And I, and I think part of it, maybe it was the timing because there, there wasn't sports to, 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 to cover it up, basically. Yeah. You know what? That was the issue of the day. That was what was going on. There wasn't some big game that was overshadowing it. And so it became a part of our show and things that we would talk about. We would have people call in and they were mad at us for some of the things we would say. Uh, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's Arkansas, you know, there's some people who didn't believe in that. And then there were, there were others who would thank us for opening their eyes and, and at least starting the conversation. And, and Justin and I said, look, we're not going to solve any problem. We're not that smart. But you know what we can do? We can start a, a dialogue and maybe something comes out of that dialogue and triggers something in somebody's mind and, and makes a change. So in the way I looked at it, you know, if you get a couple people to change their mind and, and open their eyes and at least be open to discussion, it was a help. So towards the end of the summer, as uh, sports began to make its return, we started seeing, I think the first thing I saw was the NBA bubble. So with the bubble, what was your perspective on the bubble and, and how did you feel about how it, how it ended up coming out? Uh, it, was, it was huge, huge success. I remember when they first talked about the idea, 
as I, it's just impossible. There's just no way they can create a bubble with all these employees, the, the cooks, the chefs, the wait staff, the cleaning crews. I, I said, it's just, you can't do it. I mean, you get one person come in and it affects everybody and spreads. And I said, like, this is going to be a disaster. And how are you going to keep these 20 year olds from sneaking people in? And I was like, I just don't see it working. And man, they did it. And kudos to them. And I've said it from, you know, all along for what they were able to pull off and to have success doing that. The NBA deserves a ton of credit. That's a huge project. And they pulled it off, man. They, they did. They, and they nailed it. That, that, that was great. And it, it gave us all something. You know, I was so yeah. thankful for it to have. I watched more NBA games this past summer than I have in years. I mean, I like watching, you know, the playoffs. I'm that kind of – I'm that guy. The, the NBA starts for me in May, June, you know. Um, I, but I watched a ton because what else was there to watch? I mean, you can only watch The Last Dance so many more times after those first three. Yeah. The first time we saw it, everybody was like, whoa, this is amazing. And then you yeah. watched it again. It was like, wow, I saw something I didn't see that time. Then the third time, I was like, okay, now we need something live to come back. So so let's let's see how this bubble turns out. And they had zero cases over like 180 days. So Adam yeah. Silver and his team did an excellent job maintaining and giving the people something to, to look forward to. Because for me... I think the bubble, like you said, I watched more games in the bubble than I did during the regular season. Yeah. It was, it was, the intensity was better. Guys were playing for something. The competition was higher. It was just an all-around great experience. And even more so to see JaVale McGee and Matisse Bible blogging everything for us. Because we were like, what's going on in the bubble? What do y'all do when y'all are not on the court? So to see them live a day-to-day life on major like like YouTube they put everything on YouTube and that was for us to see as journalists it was like for us not to be able to get in there and them to take time out of their day to, to video record everything from what they ate to activities they did and celebrations they had after wins and all of that it was it was rewarding yep. it was very rewarding so looking ahead now that things are kind of coming back into into fold um we saw high school sports return and I think it was controversial at first because for them to be a lower level of, of athletes and, and athletics, it was a conversation of geared more towards was it was were the intentions good? Was it for the, the benefit of the kids or was it more so for the benefit of, of monetary reasons? What did you think about that? No, I, I was all for the kids. You know, they they need this, you know, the cheerleader. It's not just the football players, it's the cheerleaders, the bands, it's the students, you know, that's something, you know, as a, as a high school kid, that's what you did on Friday nights at school pride. And, and, and I, and I talked to so many coaches and after talking with them and realized what they were doing at practice and these workouts, that they were doing everything right. You know, they were doing to keep them safe. What they were worried about is when they go home. So if they're not at practice, what are they doing? Yeah, they're probably, let's be honest, not doing things the right way. And then you get into, for some kids with football, it keeps them out of trouble. They're doing the right thing. They're staying out of trouble. They're doing what's supposed to be done. And if they didn't have football, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Well, they may be getting in trouble, but then they, they're sure not doing the right thing COVID-wise. And so it, I feel like that was an incentive for them to not only do it right at practice, but when they went home to do things right because they didn't want to give it to their teammates, you know? So 
I, I thought uh, I was real proud of, of uh, all of Arkansas high school football. It, you know, there was the unfortunate cases, you know, Benton had to forfeit a playoff game and Bentonville West there. And, you know, I think there were about five of them, you know, and, but they pulled it off. Basically they pulled off yeah. with the high school football season that, and I was pretty confident. I thought they, they would be able to um, because, you know, uh, high, let's face it, younger kids, if they get COVID, a lot of times they don't even know, it, you know, yeah. and so, and they're not testing them every day. Like they were testing the college and the, the, the pro athletes. And so I didn't think it would be that, you know, an issue in high school and it, it wasn't too big of an issue. So I was, I was very, you know, of course I'm biased because I love high school football and we got fearless Friday and I wanted a high school season, but um, it, they pulled it off. And that, that was, it was a, that was a great thing for, I think a lot of people to have high school football. Oh yeah. Face it, after the summer and everything we went through, we needed to try to get somewhat back to normal, you know, and I think that's what helped uh, having football, having sports. It was, you know, we were still doing things differently, but that was a, bringing back something that made you feel like life was returning somewhat to normal. So what do you see for the future of sports journalism now that we've seen the evolution over a span of like 12 months? What, what happens next? When, this, when is this all over, do you think? Uh, you know, I just got to get more and more people vaccinated and hopefully by, you know, this summer. And, and I feel like by, you know, fall, I, I, I'm optimistic that, you know, life will return back to normal by, you know, college football season in September when everybody goes back to, to college. I feel like uh, it'll be pretty close to normal. Maybe, and I, I'm hopeful that we'll have full stadiums and it'll go back to life as we knew it pre-COVID. Um, uh, but it all depends on the rollout of the vaccines and, and how many people, what percentage want to take this vaccine. So, uh, you know, there's still a lot, long way to go between now and then, but I, I do see the light at the end of the tunnel and feel like, you know, for sports journalists, we're going to get back to, to normal. I think some things will change. Uh, like I do think, you know, we said earlier, we'll, we'll use Zoom, um, you know, for some pieces. Uh, and I think another benefit of it, all, uh, because limited capacity for a lot of these high schools and the fact that, you know, older people, grandmas, grandpas didn't want to be out and go to games, a lot more schools are now, uh, streaming their games online yeah. and that and we took advantage of that for fearless friday we would record three four five live streams each week and you know we we've got time to show these games but we don't have enough photographers to go to every game and so with these live streams that's three or four more games that we can put in in, in our show and we'll yeah. continue to do that even if it does go away in the next six months or so i think we keep a lot of the things we're doing now just because they're convenient for everybody and they're they're like for me it, it levels the playing field still it, it allows me to, to cover more things that I wouldn't be able to cover if COVID hadn't happened so yeah um out of all of this what is the biggest thing that you took away from COVID whether it be personally or in your work hmm it's a good question you know it's a, when, when you hear a friend get sick and, you know, go to the hospital and then you hear of a young, if someone younger and you dying of COVID, it just, it really uh, makes you appreciate what you have and, and, and your health. There's some things that have uh, happened, but no, it makes you just appreciate what you have. And then I think when things return back to normal, 
we won't make you know i'd like to say we won't take it for granted i know better we will but there'll be a certain there'll be a time where we won't and we'll yeah. be appreciative of what we have and that life is returning back to all right i think that's going to conclude our interview i appreciate you stopping by and talking with me today you bet i enjoyed it and that's going to do it for this episode of the leeway podcast a special thanks to our guests for coming on with us and for those listening thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for the next episode